this message is called Look Again. Yeah, so while I'm going to get creative this morning, I'm not, I'm not a drawer, so this could end really bad, but we'll see how we go. But I want you all to say, look again. You're going to hear it a lot this morning, but I don't want you to tune out from it. I want you to actually let it soak in to your spirit and your thoughts. And it's a principle, and the principle is looking again for the blessings and answers of God when you're in the middle of a storm or the middle of negative things, but looking to where God is in that. And you know, I've journeyed this for, for a long time, and I think a lot of pe- all of us have probably journeyed this. And it's helped shape my faith and has made a long-term change to my perspective on things. And I, I really believe that as a church, if we can get hold of this, it becomes easier to lift our expectations and to go extreme, as Pastor Ted uh, prophesied over us a few weeks ago. And even personally, if we start to look again at these things, we'll start to see what God is doing more and more. Who's keen for that? Cool. So we're going to pray together. It's going to be a bit different. I want you to stand up, and I want you to put your hand on the person or the people next to you. Again, again, we can do it again. We're community. We're family. We can do this. And I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Father God, we look to you. Give us vision to see things as you do. Help us to stay strong even when things are bad. Give us courage to look again. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. But that's my prayer for all of us this morning. And as I've been preparing this, is that we'll have that courage to look again. You know, the easy, the easy option when things are rough is to just, okay, I'm going, I'm going this way now. I don't, I don't want to worry about that. But when we actually look again to where God is and what he's doing, that's when the blessing comes. And I really feel like God wants to set some people free this morning and equip us all to live with a default faith perspective rather than a default perspective of fear, insecurity, frustration, hurt, offense. I'm not good enough. So let's do that. So like I said, I've got I've got this here. Uh, I've got a I've got an illustration. Thankfully, it's it's quite simple. It's very amateur, but it's simple. So you should be able to follow it. The first part, if I get this wrong, then I'm just going to give up. No. It's a face. I can't can't get a face wrong, right? There's a little bit more. It's going to be filled in as we go. So keep your eye on that as, as we go. From time to time, I'll walk over to it. But I want you to consider a question throughout my message this morning and hopefully as we journey through a number of of Bible stories and discuss some truths, hopefully what you see begins to change. So I want you to consider for a moment how things are for you at the moment. What are you seeing right now? Are you seeing an insurmountable obstacle? A physical hurt? the things that people have said to or about you that consume you and alter your perception of truth 
and of yourself? Is there a fence that needs to be let go? Is there a mountain that's in your way and, and you just don't know what to do? Are you clouded in darkness and can't see the light? What are you seeing now? And the focus for today's message comes out of a great story of divine provision and interaction from God from the Old Testament. And the, just to, to fill you in before this particular bit of the story, the prophet Elijah goes up against 450 prophets of Baal and succeeds. Baal doesn't respond when they try to set their altar alight, but our God does for Elijah. And then he heads to the top of Mount Carmel. And as our story picks up, it's been three years of drought in Israel. So we're going to look at 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 41 to 46, if you've got your Bible, and it will be on the screen as well. So it says, And Elijah said to Ahab, who's the king, Go eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. So that's a, that's a big deal given they're, they're in drought. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, bent down to the ground, and put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, go back. Go back, look again. And the seventh time, the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, the wind rose, a heavy rain started falling and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel, all 17 miles. That would be a, a pretty interesting sight if you think about it. You know, a prophet, he's, he's tucked his beard into his belt and he goes for a bit of a run. I, I think it's pretty impressive that he managed to beat a chariot over 17 miles. So God's pretty good, hey? So what are you seeing now? And so these are just pretend these lines are lenses. And so what filters do we put in front of our lenses when we think about life. You know, there is always something that affects our perspective. You would think that having, as one man, just gone up against 450 prophets alone and succeeding, that the things Elijah speaks from God would be taken seriously. But King Ahab still wavers between well, am I going to trust Elijah's God or am I going to stay trusting Baal? You know, it's been a three-year drought, so a declaration of hearing a sound of heavy rain would definitely, you know, people would look at him and go, are you, are you mad? What are you on about? But after all they had just seen, should that doubt still be there? So come to my first point. Look again at your situation. You know, what we see isn't always reflective of reality. And so for me, obviously, you all know I wear glasses and there's quite a few others here who wear glasses as well. And for me, I need them to actually be able to see clearly. So if I do this and if I tried to walk around the auditorium, odds are I'm crashing into things. 
But by the way, you do all look fantastic this morning. I, I must say, you do look fantastic this morning. I'm not answering that. <laughs> um, no, you, you do look great. Um, but the thing for, for glasses for me is I need them in order to see clearly. And for us, we too often put filters in front of what we're seeing. You know, for some of us younger folk, it's social media. There are so many filters we can apply to our photos that isn't representative of reality. For some reason, we aren't confident in who we are. We aren't real. If it's not applying that kind of a filter in life, then for people it's an augmentation of reality. And don't feel like I'm condemning anybody with some of these examples. They're just examples. So, you know... Use makeup to hide a blemish, clothing to hide scars, quietness or over-exuberance to hide our insecurities. All of these distort the way that we see things. And so when it comes to looking at life, often we put filters up that are things like hurt, unworthiness, our race, our gender, whether we're good at sport, whether we're intelligent, our finances, frustrations, all of that, and we start to view life through that filter. But all of these things are surface things. And often they can affect the way we see life and they can affect our faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 states, for we live by faith, not by sight. You know, doubt is often talked about as the opposite of faith but this scripture here and and throughout the bible we see that sight or the immediate the surface stuff is the opposite of faith so are we living by what we see just in front of us or are we living by faith you know hebrews 11 1 says faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see so faith is believing and being confident and assured in the things that we do not see So are we focusing on that faith or are we focusing on what's in front of us? You know, faith is walking and trusting even when we can't see anything good. You know, you're stuck in a job you don't enjoy? Look again for the good. Are there family breakdowns? Look again. The fog of hurt clouding you? Look again. Battling with finances? Look again. See where God is and what he's doing. Too often we look at and accept the surface as reality. We even look at God through this filter. So how often are we using a filter of hurt and frustration, unworthiness to view God and that impacts on who we think we are and what we can and can't do? We distort the things of God because we choose to accept the surface as reality. You know, I love the picture that it says in the story where Elijah came in humility towards God and in prayer. You know, he got down on hands and knees and put his head down. It was in humility. He saw the value in prayer that in the midst of everything, we pray. We pray, we pray, we pray. It may be uncomfortable, But I like to think that uncomfortable is good because it means God's doing something. 
You know, he believed in what God could do and had trusted what he had heard. And Elijah's servant trusted him. But I think even he may have wavered a bit as Elijah kept telling him, go back, go back, go back. I mean, the surface reality of drought is a, is a big thing. Like, I know we've had struggles with it in Victoria from time to time, but I don't think we've had a three-year period of extensive no rain at all. So their reality was, well, there's no provision, there's no new life. And here you've got a prophet saying, no, I hear the sound of heavy rain. And God can bring that provision. The true reality is that God is there for us. No matter what's going on, the true reality is he is there and he wants to provide. So do we need some hope in a terrible situation? Look again. Do you just need some love when you're feeling alone? Look again. Has your circumstance stolen your joy? Look again. Like the servant running back and forth in faith and obedience, so must we. You know, faith is hearing from God often before we see it. We need to choose to have faith in the promise and not wait until the change comes to believe. And I'm not talking a blind faith or a misguided faith. We need to be aware of the situations and circumstances, but the fact is we often forget that God never leaves us and he never forsakes us. So we need to realise that sometimes we need to look again and see what he wants to say and what he wants to do. I mean, look at Thomas. He knew Jesus while Jesus ministered on earth. He was one of Jesus' boys. But yet he couldn't believe in the resurrection until he actually saw Jesus there. You know, Jesus said, blessed are those who believe who have not seen. We know the revelation of God. You know, we know what Jesus did when he came and died on the cross. So why do we lose sight of that because of simple surface irritations? Look again. I want you to say it. Look again. again. This time, believe it. Look again. You know, we need to know and trust the revelation. To not see life through the filters of what's on the surface, but to see life through God's perspective. And the hard part here is that it takes persistence. It takes perseverance. It takes faith. And often those are uncomfortable and we don't like it. But the fact is, it takes perseverance, persistence and faith. And these perspectives of God are at best equated to two stories, which I'm going to get them up on screen. So the first one is the surface perspective from Mark 4, 35 to 41. There we go. That, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Next slide. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. Next slide. A furious squall or storm came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. 
You know, the disciples knew Jesus but still didn't get it. They panicked, accepted the surface reality and reacted from fear. To that I say, look again. You know, Jesus was there physically with them but they were blinded by the filter that was before them. Pastor Stephen Furtick says it well. The enemy can't prevent God from blessing you, but he might be able to prevent you from receiving it. When you run from the battle, you run from the blessing. So persist. Even when everything seems lost, persist. Go back and look again. So the second part is looking in faith. So this story that I'm about to read, you know, Moses sent 12 spies into the land to see if they could take back what they had. Ten of them came back with a not-so-favorable report. Let's look at the rest of it. So Numbers 13, 25 to 31. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites and Amorites live in the hill country and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people, they are stronger than we are. You know, Caleb here lives beyond a bad report. He sees what's on the surface, but possesses the promises of God, and his vision is clear because of that. We have this problem in our lives sometimes. There is something negative going on, and we can't see or accept the true reality of the situation. We turn from the truth in those moments. You know, bad reports sell, and they take hold. But Caleb silenced the whispers of discouragement. He was prepared to look again to look past the supposed reality and see God's perspective. When we are prepared to look again, we can start to walk in his provision, in his freedom, in his strength, in his healing, in his authority, in his power, and in his glory no matter what. Amen? You know, I will praise him in this storm. We've all probably heard this statement at some point, and it's especially apt here. Caleb was from the tribe of Judah, which means praise. So the good report in this story was brought by the tribe birthed in praise. Remember what I said about that that God's perspective takes persistence? Praise, regardless of the surface reality, gives us that ability to look again. There's a song that means a lot to, to Em. It's called Take Courage by Bethel. And it's, it's a bit of an anthem for her because it, it, it speaks into a lot of situations. You know, there's, there's some fruit of, of some things and some things come into fruition for us, but there's still a, a point of waiting and some, some pain in that. And for me, it's, 
hasn't resonated with me as much until this morning in the car and I heard it and uh, started crying. Um, and it, it, just, it just spoke to me so much and it's so in line with, with this message. So I'm going to read you the second verse and the chorus. And it says, Sing praise my soul, find strength in joy. Let his words lead you on. Do not forget his great faithfulness. He'll finish all he's begun. Take courage, my heart. Stay steadfast, my soul. He's in the waiting. He's in the waiting. Hold on to your hope. Watch your triumph unfold. He's never failing. He's never failing. So what are you seeing, church? Look again. Praise his name and look again. Just because you're in a drought doesn't mean it will never rain again. Still struggling to see it? Maybe, maybe this will help. If we get rid of this, our vision is actually free on God and who he is. So rather than looking at the cross through filters, why don't we look at the filter through the lens of the cross and what God says about that? So point two, look again at the cross. (laughs) Sorry. There's some good stuff. So... So let's check back in with Elijah. Mighty Elijah. Three. (laughs) You know, so he takes on 450 prophets and succeeds. He runs 17 miles ahead of a chariot to where the rain is. And then in a story coming up, he's questioned by one woman and flees and asks God to take his life. What? That's not the faith-filled man we just saw nine verses ago. So 1 Kings 19, 9 to 14. You'll see it on the screen. So it says, And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Elijah demonstrates here what not to do. But when he chose to look again and listen, God wasn't in the roaring wind. He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the fire. 
but he came in a gentle whisper. And this happens in life. When we are stuck, being dictated to by physical pain, emotional pain, spiritual upheaval, the words of others, identity struggles, we view everything through that filter. We don't stop and consider. But here's the thing, church. God is always there. Sometimes that manifests in a dramatic way, but oftentimes it's in a gentle whisper. Look again. Look again. What if your struggle is a signal that God is up to something in your life? I'll say that again. What if your struggle is a signal that God is up to something in your life? If you are called to the mountaintop, don't let a cave experience alter that truth or that calling. Look again. Don't let the devil distract you by surface things. And it's often little things that just get in the way of what that calling is and what that truth is. God is the same even when our circumstances change. It's the same God. You know, if you're called to be a parent, you are a parent when you are changing a nappy and you are a parent when you're teaching your kids to drive. The circumstances are different, but the calling is the same. If you're called to be an athlete, you're an athlete when you're training and you're an athlete when you're having success on the field or the court. Different circumstances, but same calling. And if you're called to change the world, and we all are, and you're stuck in a rut or you're not sure of your next step, look again at life through the cross, not a filter in front of it. Our view of life should be through the cross. And for some of us today, we need that change of perspective. To shift our focus from the natural to the supernatural. We may be feeling abandoned by God. We may feel all alone. Look again. Find that gentle whisper. No, I love the story of Joseph in Genesis. As, as a young man, he's, he's told by God, you're going to rule over your brothers. And he kind of makes the mistake of going and telling his ten older brothers, I'm going to rule over you guys one day. And they put him down a well and then they sell him and pretend like he's dead. He ends up in the employ of, of a guy and this guy's wife uh, tries to seduce him and he rejects her and uh, so she says that he did some things he didn't do and he gets locked in jail. And then while he's in jail, he experiences some people in the employ of Pharaoh and interprets their dreams and one of them survives, one of them doesn't. Anyway, it's two years later, Pharaoh has a dream and the cupbearer remembers, oh, there's this guy in the prison that knows what to do with these dreams. So they come and get him out. Long story short, Joseph kind of becomes the most powerful man at that time, and he does indeed rule over his brothers. But it took 17 years for the fruition of what God wanted to do. See, his immediate surface reality for much of what we, read, what we know in that story is pretty dire. But he knows God. He knows that God doesn't speak vision or dreams into your life just to rip them out from under your feet. He knew God's voice and may very well have questioned the truth along the way. But he kept his focus firmly on God's faithfulness to his promises and his children. And so Joseph was prepared to look again at the situation. Because of this, he persevered. 
like I said, it took 17 years for him to step into the authority and the promise that God has for him. Don't miss the blessings that God has for you because you are living by sight and not by faith. Don't miss out on what God wants to do because you won't look again. Turn to the person on your right and tell them to persevere. Turn to the person on, turn to the person on your left and tell them to look again. You know, one of the things I've been called to from early on in my Christian walk was to, to pastor people and to teach God's word. And for the longest time, I was frustrated with God. You know, Emma will attest to the fact that I'm not a patient person by nature, but I'm, I'm learning. Anyway, I was frustrated at what I perceived as no opportunities a few years ago. I couldn't see how my calling was was being fulfilled and growing and being developed, and I was frustrated. But I was challenged to look at what I was doing again. You know, Em and I were leading a, a connect group for young adults, and I had the ability to mentor young guys, teach God's word, and lead them through situations. I was on the youth team and had the same opportunities. So just because it didn't look the way that I wanted it to or pictured it didn't mean that God wasn't using me or growing me. This is where we need a clarity of faith and who God says we are. Yeah. It's also why sometimes the whole thing of look again isn't to just endure. It's also letting go of perceptions or ideas of our making and trusting God. Yeah. Trusting the sacrifice Jesus made. Trusting the prompt of the Holy Spirit. Look again. For me, I can see clearly, like I said earlier, with my glasses on. This gives me 2020 vision. As Christians, our 2020 vision is when we look at our situation through the lens of the cross, not the other way around. I then understood that it didn't matter if things looked different. God was equipping me and he equips us. Even if things don't look the way we imagined, he is growing and doing a work in us for what we're doing. So look again. Amen? All we have to do is seek and we will find. If we go searching for the cross and for God, we will find him. God is not removed from our lives, no matter how rough, mundane, or ordinary they may be. Vacuuming the floor? You know what? God's there. Hanging out the washing? God is there. Driving to and from work? God is there. We need to train our sight to see the extraordinary God in the ordinary and the mundane. When we look again, we see things from God's perspective. You know, think back to last week, we had eight people be baptised. And that's a point where we shift our reality from what's around us to what God has for us. You know, and I shared a little bit about the culture of the cross, and that applies here as well. When our world feels like it's crashing down or caving in around us, we react from that position. But what would happen if we acted out of a place of freedom, grace, sacrifice, redemption, a second chance, love? What if we acted from that place? You know, Jesus died for all of us to set us free. He took sin and shame and guilt and had it nailed to the cross with him so we don't have to carry that weight. Church, we need to see and understand that. Look again to what he has done and live with that. We don't need to put that here in front of God because he's already taken it for us.
What if we looked again to the cross at all times with that in mind? How would that change our perspective? You know, Elijah heard and saw the rain coming and tried to start to get everyone ready for it. And there's a story of two farmers who desperately needed rain and both of them were praying for it, but only one of them went out and prepared his fields to receive the rain. Which one do you think trusted God to send the rain? The one who prepared his fields for it. You know, he was prepared to look again, to go against the surface reality and look out in faith, Elijah was. And so we need to look in faith and prepare ourselves for rain. So you ready for rain, church? Are you really? Come on, come on. Are you really? You know, when we decide to look at our circumstances through the lens of the cross, we prepare ourselves for what God wants to do. So what are you seeing? Are you ready for what God wants to do? Look again. You know, 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And this sums it up. Take captive every thought or filter that takes on the surface reality as a true reality. Don't look and dwell on the past. Don't dwell on what's chasing you or, is what ha- or what has happened in your current circumstances. What are you seeing? Look again. There is more there than you think there is. Look again. It all comes down to whether we are living by sight or by faith. Speak it out. Look again. I want you to say it. Look again. We need to teach ourselves to view things through the cross, which gives us our purpose, identity and potential. So that's why we need to look through this lens to see who we are in Christ. Because if we put this filter here, we're seeing God and ourselves based on that filter rather than the other way around. And this is often the hardest one, especially if God is speaking with a gentle whisper. The voices and sounds of the world can easily shift our focus away from the path that God has us on. Just look at Elijah when he went and hid in a cave because he was scared of one woman and her words. His focus shifted from strength in God and living a life of a prophet, so speaking to people from God and for him, to cowering away in the darkness and wanting to die. This happens to all of us quite often. These things come at us and make us run. And it becomes what we perceive as our truthful reality, not just a surface one. This is because we've put that blockage in front of the cross. We've put those filters back on in front of it. Who can relate? You know, have we become so familiar and comfortable with our problems that we can no longer see our potential? God's presence will fix our perspective, church. When we spend time in his presence, in prayer, in worship, in praise, in the word, when we spend time in his presence and praise him no matter what, those filters shift to that right place. Some of the greatest things that God will do in our lives will be when we look again. Those things we've been praying for and nothing happens, so we decide to walk away, but at the last minute decide to go back one last time and look again. God moves in those moments. 
We need to raise our expectations, church, to recognise that God has so much more for us if we would just go back and look again. And part of that is going back to who God says we are. We are free. We are worthy. We are good enough. We have potential. We can change the world. We are special. We are part of his family. We are loved and we are God's children, his chosen children. Amen? Can I get the band to come up, please? Turn to someone and say, look again and see your potential. Now, now tell yourself, tell yourself, look again and see who you are. So that question I asked at the start, what are you seeing now? Has your perspective shifted? Has the filter shifted to where it's meant to be? It doesn't matter who we are or what our circumstance may now be reflecting. Look again. Look again. We need to lift our eyes to Him to raise our expectations, to raise our faith and go back to the mountain and look again. Don't be in the cave when you should be on the mountain. Amen. Look again, church. It can be easier said than done, but it's a matter of shifting our filters and our perspectives, of not living based on a surface reality, but looking again at the cross. What do you need to look again at? As I'm asking these questions, I want you to consider, and at the end, we're going to give some space for you to come forward, and we're going to pray, and band are going to play over the top and sing, and we want to pray for you. So consider these things. What do you need to look again at? Have you had an expectation or a dream and now you've lost it? Look again. Have you been given a promise and have lost sight of it? Look again. Has your faith been battered by the circumstances of your life? And like Peter when he walked on water and, and, and sunk because he paid attention to what was around him, do you feel like you're drowning? Look again. And like Elijah did with his servant, is there someone you can encourage to go back and look again? Whatever it is that God is speaking to you around those questions, I want you to come forward. I want you to look again to our Father in heaven with faith for what He is going to do. Let Him fill you afresh and give you eyes to see Him and the strength to look again. So while the band plays, come forward. Come forward. Surrender yourself before God and what you need to look again at. And we will stand with you and pray. So come forward.